This teaching comes to you from the team at St Mark's Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. Let us pray. Give us grace, O Lord, not only to hear your word with our ears, but also to receive it into our hearts and to show it in our lives. For the glory of your great name. Amen. Please be seated. It is absolutely wonderful and spectacular and encouraging to see you all here. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we, the Jensen family, got invited to a special dinner. It was my, my nephew Jack's birthday. Now, which is special, of course, but he has one every year, I understand. But what was really unusual is that the invite came from his dad, Chris, my brother-in-law, and that he said he was going to be cooking burgers. Now, what you need to know about Chris is that before he was an Anglican minister, he was an engineer. And he can turn almost any problem in life into an engineering exercise, including a dinner. So the invite came with an electronic survey to fill in so that you could tell him what sort of burger you would like. Would you like a brioche bun? I've got to say, I think the brioche bun is uh, an appalling innovation. Uh, would you like a normal bun? Would you like American cheese or ordinary cheese? Ordinary cheese, please. Would you like salad or no salad? Definitely salad. Would you like special sauce? Cherry ketchup. He'd made cherry ketchup. I'd never had it before. It was, it was spectacular. Or would you like no sauce at all? Now, I should explain that we are a large family. I'm one of five children, and each one of these children has had at minimum four children. So that amounts. There were a couple of families away, but we still had more than 20 people there. And when we arrived... Chris had each person's burger recipe printed out on a piece of paper and next to a plate, and he made us our own customised burger simultaneously. It was an extraordinary achievement, and you know, I'm not just saying this, but I don't think a burger ever tasted better than that burger. There was joy in those burgers. There was there was wit and delight in those burgers. And I guess, too, they were made with real care, not just for the family, but what Chris had managed to achieve was care for the family, but care for us each as, as individuals. Each of eating those unique burgers was about belonging and connection. It was about feeling at home. That's what eating together does for us, doesn't it? It's not just about, about food. It's about us. We eat with those to whom we belong. We eat with those we feel safe with and those we are at peace with. And we've even made voting in, in, our, in our society about a community feast of sausages, uh, where the real action is, of course, and I want to say that we raised $1,000 for Living Water Indigenous Fellowship yesterday with our sausage sizzle, serving democracy sausages, and uh, thanks to Jock and Richard and the others who organised that. It's interesting how often we see Jesus eating meals with people. He went to a wedding with not enough wine. He partied with the party animals. He ate with these disciples the night before he died. And he once fed a huge crowd 
who had come out to hear him teach. I've always imagined the scene as a little bit like Woodstock, but with fewer drugs. There was something about Jesus that meant people would wander out into the desert to hear him talk and become so engrossed in what he was saying that they forgot to bring food. It's poor event management, right? That won't happen at our picnic when we have it. I'm not sure Jesus had a wet weather plan. But then sure enough, hunger set in and the tummies started rumbling and the disciples are coming to Jesus and saying, look, send them away to the cafes and towns and whatever they've got in, in, in restaurants, whatever they've got in those local towns. The situation seems like a disaster, worse than the wine running out at the wedding. Has Jesus led all of these people out into the wilderness just to starve, to go hungry? Well, you know how the story goes, don't you? The disciples can only rustle up five loaves and two fish. That's it. How many people could that feed? Well, I guess if you sort of squashed the fish and made it into fish paste and divided the bread up into really small chunks, you might get 20, maybe, having some kind of snack. But Jesus takes that food and in his hands, he, as he's holding it, he prays. And he breaks the bread and he divides the fish. And no one that day went away hungry. And just to emphasize the point, there were piles and piles of leftovers. It's a great feeling to be full, isn't it? It's that after Christmas lunch feeling, a satisfied, warm feeling. A feeling of belonging and being cared, cared for. There were lots of amazing things that Jesus did, but feeding the 5,000 in the wilderness is one of the few stories that all of the gospel writers tell us. And I've often wondered why each of them reminds us of this story. And I think it's because it was really important for the people they were writing to. This was a really important story that they wanted everyone who came after them to know it was saying something amazing and significant about Jesus. They wanted to tell us that Jesus is inviting us to share a meal with him, like a great feast, like a great feast or a great picnic. And Jesus himself is providing the food. And like my brother-in-law, Jesus knows what each of us needs to sit at his table. Not our individually crafted burgers, in this case. Our deepest need is our sins forgiven. Our deepest need is our shame covered and our guilt taken away. Our deepest need is to know that we are deeply loved by our Creator, despite everything. In fact... As we discover in the gospel story, Jesus is not only providing the food, he's also the meal. He gives us himself to eat. In John's gospel, he calls himself the bread of life. And he calls himself elsewhere as well, the Passover lamb. And he called a cup of wine his blood, which he gave his disciples to drink. He's not only the host, the caterer, 
He's the dinner. He prepares us the food and the food is himself. He provides what we most need. And as we sit down to feast at his dinner, we also find there that others are sat around us. We find each other. We belong to Jesus. And because we belong to him, when we sit at his table, we belong to one another. You know, this was such a strong image that in the early church times, people accused the Christians of being cannibals. But being a Christian is like coming to a huge feast. It means everything that a great meal means. It means belonging. It means security. It means peace. It means rest. Taking your shoes off at the door and putting your coat on a hook. It means being known. Being recognised. Being someone. It means joy. And that's what we do here at St. Mark's, we feast together at Jesus' table. We eat together at the banquet that Jesus has laid out for us. Now, I've been wondering lately if someone said to me down at the cafe I go to down at Speedo's, where I saw Harry and Megan the other day, um, what do you do at St. Mark's? If someone asked me there, what would I say? What do we do at St. Mark's? What would you say? I think I might say, what we do, what do we do at St. Mark's? We eat together. We eat together. We share in a spiritual meal because we've responded to the greatest invitation ever issued to come to Jesus Christ. We come together to share at his table, at his feast, his banquet. And because we do that, we also share in actual eating all the time, in physical eating all the time. We eat together, we feed on Jesus, and as we do that, we also eat. You can't stop a good church from eating. Whether that be morning tea after 8am, organised by Helen and served by Jeffrey and Sally and Libby and Nick and Padita and Di, or the spread that's put on after 10am with Cynthia's help, whether it be my children's favourite Nancy Scones, or a cake from Lisa or Peter or Catherine or Di or June or Philly or Liana or Coral or Andrew or Alice or Lisa Lynn or Mark and Anna, Susanna, and all the other people that help with morning tea, and especially at 5.30 too, when we eat a meal after church together, whether Armin or Jonathan or Fiona or Lydia or Blaney and Sarah or Henry and Janice or the youth group are cooking for us, or when we have dessert from Bettina or we had last week's strudel that Peter brought with Karen, or the dinners that we share together before Alpha that cooked by Erica, or the barbecues that we've had after 10 a.m., or the men's and women's dinners. We've got one coming up this week on Wednesday. It's a men's dinner, and not long after that, a women's event as well. Or the famous gardener's morning tea with Di Coates's ginger sandwiches. It really tastes good. Ginger and cream cheese. Or the cheese and biscuits and wine on the men's retreat that Huntley got together. We eat together because we belong to one another at Jesus' great meal. And maybe it's not going to go to plan today because of the weather, but that's not going to stop us. And you know how it is with a great meal? 
You just want others to share it. And this is how it is. Jesus has invited our friends and neighbours to this great meal too. And he's asked us to be the ones who send out the invitations. Do those who live around us know that there's a great feast on here? Do they realise that they're invited to Jesus' table? So this is what we're going to do and why, just to remind us, we've set a great table here. We, you and I, are going to eat together, spiritually and physically, and we're going to invite others to share in our meal, to eat with us. We are going to set our tables and prepare our food so that people can come and know that Jesus welcomes them to his table. We're going to keep sharing in food together every week at our services. We're going to have events like our Alpha Course where people are invited to share with us in knowing Jesus or our Marriage Enrichment Course. We're going to hold special events like our men's and women's events. We're going to meet around food in each other's homes. We're going to keep providing food for rough edges as a sign of care. We're going to welcome newcomers with open arms. One of the great stories of this year is, in fact, a person who's going to be uh, confirmed uh, next week who came to St Mark's completely on spec. And he said, I was just coming in to see what it was like, but I was so, this is the 8am service. I was so warmly welcomed that I have stayed and I decided to become a follower of Jesus Christ. That's the power of our human welcome here, our welcome in Jesus' name to his table. Jesus wants you and me to hand on his invitation to share in his meal. And so, let's eat. That sounds good, doesn't it? doesn't sound too hard. It sounds like it might actually be Really good fun. Might be really enriching. But that's what we're called to do. To be together and call others to be together with us as we share in Jesus. And let's show each other and our community what that means to share in Jesus' meal. That we belong to one another. That we accept one another and enjoy one another. By just being present with one another, you show what it means to eat at Jesus' table, and invite. Who can you be inviting to this great meal? You could start with our Advent and Christmas services coming up very soon. Our Christmas theme will be coming home for Christmas, coming home for Christmas. And we'll be singing carols and eating and drinking together for a whole fantastic month and exhausting. Who wouldn't want to share in it? What do we do at St Mark's? We eat together. Jesus himself feeds us. And we'd love to invite more people to join us in that meal. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at www.stmarksdp.org to subscribe to our new episodes, browse more resources and find more information about the community of St Mark's.